Peter said this, Though all men shall be offended because of you, yet I will never be offended. Guizhou just told us that she lost her job. A couple of weeks ago, her family got into an accident. And then things happened to me. Things happened to some of us. The question comes down to why? Why can't God prevent these things from happening to his children? We are his children. Shouldn't we be protected from all of these issues, these problems? God wants you to know whether or not your faith is authentic. Is your faith real? That's the question. If you love God, do you love God? What would you do for God? The answer to the first question everyone wants to answer is, yes, I love the Lord. The second question is, what would you do for God? And the second answer to that, you would say, anything he asked me. Really? Because the second answer depends on the first question. Because the first question is, do you love God? And you say, of course, I love the Lord with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my might. I love the Lord. And then the second question comes is, what would you do? You say, of course, I love the Lord. I'd do anything he asked me. Because we know instinctually that if you love someone, you would do anything for that person. Last night, I was driving home. We're tired from driving. I woke up in the morning, we drive. Like you sitting there falling asleep, imagine me. I was driving home at night and it was 11.30 driving home. I know, I'm so tired. If I, if I just doze off, I could send three people to their death. What gave me the strength to stay awake? And I also put on soft music for them to go to sleep. You sit in my car, you hear the soft music. It drives me insane, but I do it. Why? What would you do for love? You do anything. Why would you keep that pants for 20 some odd years that you don't fit? What would you do for love? Odd, sometimes crazy things, sometimes weird and strange things. But because of love, we're willing to do some really odd stuff. But when it comes to God, and we say, I love the Lord, what would you willing to do for the Lord? You would say, anything. I'm willing to do anything for God. And Peter had the exact same thought as some of you sitting here thinking. And he said, though everyone else, meaning all the 11 disciples, even if they reject you, deny you, they will be offended, meaning because of Jesus Christ, they would be hurt, they would be pain. Offended is this. God, you love me. Why did you cause me to lose my job? That's being offended because of God. And Peter said this, though everyone else stumble, everyone else is offended, but I will not be offended because of you. Essentially, Peter is telling Jesus, I love you. And I love you and I will do anything and I will prove to anyone out there who say otherwise that I don't love you. I love you even though anything happened to you, anything happened to me, I will not be offended because I love you. I know that I love you. How many of you are willing to say that? How many of you want to say that to the Lord? If Jesus were here and he asked you, do you love me? We all would say, yes, I love you, Lord. We say that with intensity. And then Jesus turned around and said, what would you do? How would you prove it? Peter went on to say, though I should die with you, 
yet I will not deny you. This is Peter. Peter went on to, to tell the Lord, said, Lord, I will not be offended. Whatever happened to you, I will not be offended. And then Jesus says, you are going to forsake me. And then Peter asserted himself and the disciples said, you know what? Even in death, I will not deny you. The first question I have is, do you have that kind of passion with Christ? Think about it when you're with your friends and when it's time for you to show them that you are a Christian or a follower of Christ. How do you behave? Do you hide your Christianity? Or in other words, do you hide Christ and show yourself, your friends, as who you are, one of them? You're willing to engage in these conversations that you know that is not pleasing to the Lord? Or will you be not offended and say, I am a Christian and show them that you love God more than you favor their affection or their camaraderie. You stand apart from them. Peter is the same. With all his friends standing around, with all the Christians in the church, he was with them, raised his hand and said, God, I would die for you. But when he was alone, without the other disciples, standing there, warming his hands, no one else is around, Christ was not around, what did he do? I tell you, I don't know this man. Who is this Jesus? I don't know him. I never knew him. When Jesus came, even though we would condemn ourselves, I know Peter would condemn himself. And he say, I'm not a worthy disciple of you, Lord. But Jesus came back to Peter to reassert him one thing. He asked, Simon, son of Jonah, this question, do you love me? See, we have a concept of love. And this concept of love comes from us. We say, I love you, Lord. But we don't know what love is until Jesus comes back to us, show us that we cannot love him the way that we think that we have an ability. How many of you, the older people, have said once in your life that you love someone and that that person is the person for you for the rest of your life? And you say with certainty, she is the one, he is the one, I'm going to marry this person and live and grow old with this person. And then six months later, you change your mind. Or when that person slaps you on the face, you say, wait a minute, I didn't sign up for this. Love somehow kind of changed. You know why? It came from us. The love that came from you will not last. So when Jesus came to Peter and said, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Do you love me? He's asking all of us today, do you love him? Do you love Christ? And you realize Peter answered Jesus, Lord, you know I can't say it anymore. You know that I love you because I don't have any assurance in myself to say that I love you because you know what? Before the cock crew, I would deny you and exactly that's what happened. I can't depend on what I say anymore. So you would have to answer that question. How many of you here, if Jesus was here and he asked you, do you love me? How many of you can say with sincerity that, yes, Lord, I love you. But yet we stand here and we raise our hand and we sing out loud. We say, Lord, I love you. I love you. I love you. As if it has no meaning. But how many of you have a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus? And he asks you, do you love me? I would say most of us would turn around to Christ and said, Lord, only you know if I love you or not. Only you know. 
And you know what Jesus' response to Peter was? Feed my, don't show me your love. You don't need to show me your love because you know what? You can't show me your love. You can't see me. How can you love a God who you can't see? Feed my sheep. Show it to those around you. Those that I care about, those I love, show them. That's how you are able to show God's love. Peter now, he's wiser, he's older. He went through all of this and he realized something when he wrote this epistle. First Peter chapter 1, verse 7. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold. Think about it. He's remembering his younger days. The days when he was so fervent. He's probably shaking his head and said, I don't know what got into me. I don't know why I said those words. My faith, or rather my love, has never been tested. I didn't know how I could proclaim in front of, I feel so ashamed. I could say it in front of everyone, I would follow you. Everyone deny you. I would never, I even die for you. And then I couldn't even stand up to a little girl who asked me if I was your disciple. He's much wiser now. And now he says, this is what I've learned, that the trial of your faith is what you need, what we all needed. Why do Guizhou has to lose her job? That's not important in life. And, but yet society say, you have to make a li living, you have to earn a lot of money. And so we elevate things that are not important in our lives. What is important? Your faith is important. Your faith in God is important. Why do you fail your classes? Well, because you didn't study. Okay, that's different. Why do I fall off my bike and injure myself? Why can I just be protective? No. You know why? When nothing happened to me, I have never been tested. And if I've never been tested, how do I know that if something happened to me, I don't turn around and say, forget it. God is not real. If God was real, then I should be protected. That is my faith. That is not the faith of the Bible. That's not the faith that God wants you to have. So many Christians today, we live in the faith that is from us and not from God and not from the Bible. We live the faith that we want to because I should say I am rich and suddenly I'm rich. I say I'm well and suddenly I'm well. I say I have this and suddenly I have this and that and everything's supposed to cater to me. That is a carnal faith. That is wishful thinking. It's not real. What is real is the faith that is in the Bible. Do you have that faith? And today, we want to look at what is authentic faith? What is real faith? What is the faith that will carry you through and cause you to build up and be strong? And in the end, like Peter, are able to cause the kingdom of God to be expanded. What is that faith? Why are we even here? Why do I do this? We can have a very easy going appeasing everyone and then we all walk out here with faith that never been tested something that will happen i know for a fact if some accident happened in your life in the future when something happened to you in the future i know that you will remember me standing here what happened to me where's my faith because we all have to make a test it's not a testimony when i say I just found a hundred bucks on the ground. What testimony is that that gives the glory to God? What gives glory to God is that even though I'm smitten, even though I'm beat up, I still glorify God. 
as you praise Him. That is your testimony. That should be the testimony of God. Because why? Jesus was beaten. Jesus was crucified. Jesus was glorified. Paul, disciples, everyone that ever came in the footsteps of Jesus Christ went through this. And because they went through this, we know that there is a kind of faith that is authentic, that's real, that's went through the trials and that stand firm and there's a kind of faith, well, it won't last. Something happened to you. You're falling in love, the girl broke your heart and you lose your faith. We've seen so many of those today. Those are not authentic faith. And that's not the faith that we preach here. It's not the kind of church that we're going to have. Church is supposed to be fun and because I cancel your outing trip, well, I don't want to go to this church anymore. I'm going to go to a different church where there will be more outings. What kind of faith is that? It's not authentic. It's not real. And Peter says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold. I don't have any gold, but if I do, it's pretty precious. The trial that comes into your life, losing her job is precious. Even though it sounds mean when I say it. It sounds mean when any trial happens in anyone's life. It sounds mean. It sounds mean when you say, praise God, Pastor Paul fell off his scooter and scraped his face on the ground. It sounds mean. But you know what? It's precious. Last night I was thinking, okay, if I walk down the street and some girl come up to me and punch me really hard right there in the mouth, I would be pretty upset. And I thought, wait a minute. I hit my face on concrete, skidded on the ground. Portion of my lip just got ripped off. That's pretty painful. But I got up, I didn't blame the ground. I didn't even blame the deer. But if someone came up to me and punched me in the face, oh, I'll get upset. I'll get upset. Why is that? Are we more friendly to the deer and to the inanimate object like the ground than we are to people? God convict me. I was convicted because of that thought. I know instinctively, even if anyone here at church punched me in the face and broke my teeth, and cause my lip to fall, I'll be pretty upset. Why? Why would I? You see, the, the test that comes into your life is supposed to question your faith in God. Now, I'm waiting for the time when that happens in my life. Then I know it is not by my own strength. I didn't pick myself off the ground. If it was me, I'd probably just lay there and dial 911. It was easier. I thought about it. But I need to go to the picnic with you guys the next day. The trials of your faith being much more precious than gold that perish, though it be tried with fire, might be found to praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Your faith supposed to take you to see who? Who should your faith take you to see? Jesus Christ. Did you know that your faith is the only vehicle that you have to see Jesus Christ? That's it. Now, let me ask you, is your faith, whatever faith that you have today, can it and will it bring you all the way to Christ on that day? Would it make it? You have enough oil, your wheels working, your doors, your windows, this is all functioning. Is your faith working? How do you know? How do you figure out whether or not your faith is working? Trials. You got to put it through the test. If you design an airplane, imagine this. You design an airplane. You spent hours, maybe months, maybe years refining it. There was a man who spent years in refining this old aircraft that he restored. 
He spent many, many, many hours on it. He took it out. He flew it. Crashed. He died. He flew a couple of times before, but at the air show recently, he crashed. The question I have for you is, will your faith fly? Will your faith take you to Christ? Because, first of all, if it's your faith, I guarantee you, it won't make it. Your faith has to be built on the foundation of the Word of God. That's why we stay so close. We stick very close to the Word of God. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold perishes, meaning gold itself will perish, though it be tried with fire, it might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearance of Jesus Christ. The necessity of trials is this. We all will stand before God one day. We will be tried okay, before God. None of us will escape that reality. And if that is a time you find out that your faith is not authentic, that's too late. We need to be tested now. Some of us thinking, well, when the time comes, I will get it. I will have strong faith. No, your faith gets strong when you fall the first time. It hurts a little bit and then you recover from it. You still keep your faith strong. And then you take a couple more steps and you fall a little harder. You get up, you wipe yourself off and you hold on to the Lord. Your faith, it takes time to build. If you do not build it today, you're never going to have strong faith. It's never been tested. It will never fly. You have to test it. You have to prove it. There are these two guys who make wings on their clothes, and they went to Yosemite. They glide with their clothing. They fly that route many, many times. But one day, they didn't make it through the little crack. Does it work? Have you tried it? Have you tested many, many times over? Your faith is very important, and your faith needs to be tested. What is happening in your life today, right now, in your life, that's testing your faith? Do you have any trials in your life that's testing your faith? Can you think of one? What is testing your faith right now? That's why Peter says, the trials of your faith being so precious, it doesn't come often. In fact, you actually have to go look for it, because we can live our Christian life and we avoid all of the trials. But if you walk straight, if you don't veer to the left or to the right whenever you see some obstacle in front of you, you avoid all the trials. And you know what? In the end, your faith is not real. It's not been tried. It's not been tested. It won't work. So how do you walk a straight line? It's right here in the Word of God. That's the only way for you to walk a straight line. So if you do not spend time in the Word of God, not only to read it, but to walk it. Because the Word of God is straight. The Word of God is narrow. The Word of God leads to life. If you don't walk in the Word of God, you will avoid every single trials that come through your life. Because you read here a little scripture that someone posts up on your Facebook stream. You read there a little scripture that someone say. But you need to read the entire counsel of God. Otherwise, you see the road right there, but you're never on it. Someone will say something. You say, oh, that sounds good. Someone else will post something. You say, oh, that sounds nice. But until you walk the whole counsel of God. And today, that is the trial of your faith. Peter learns this lesson. And in the first epistle, in the first chapter, he laid it out. The trial of your faith is important. Don't neglect it. We are going through trials. Every one of us will go through the trial. There will be no Christians in heaven that have not gone through trial because Jesus says so. Those who want to live godly in Him 
will be persecuted. And trials are your persecution. Do you find it hard to face your family because you're a Christian? Do you find it hard to face your friends because you're a Christian? Well, we can avoid them, and we do. But I believe that you must face them. You must face those trials and ask the Lord, God, I'm so weak. I need your help. I need your word. I need to know what is right to say in those circumstances. So how do you know that your faith is real? James says this, chapter 2, verse 18. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. We can't say that we have faith and we have nothing to back it up. If you say that you have faith, if any of you, if I ask you, if you have faith today, how do you prove it? How do you prove that you have faith? What evidence is in your life that can attest to the fact that you have faith? You come to church every week, that could be an evidence of your faith, but I'm telling you that's not enough. You come to church on time every week, well, that's, that's really good. But then it got to be something more than just that. It has to be something much greater. than. Do you have the works that shows? What are the proofs? Show your faith, James says, by your works. These are some of the things, some practical things that I want to give to you so that you can see whether or not your faith is authentic. Examine everything that you do throughout the day. You wake up in the morning, what do you do? You go throughout your day, what do you do? The kind of language that come out of your mouth, what are those things? The kind of th- things that you look at on TV, the kind of things that you bring into your ears, the kind of things that you post on the internet. Look at all those things and ask yourself, are any of those things aligned with the Word of God? Do they even mention in the Word of God? Do you have anything with God at all? Is, does your book that you read has anything to do with God? Does the movie that you watch, does it build up your faith? Does it have anything in the scripture? Examine every single thing. Does it have anything to do with the kingdom of God or not? The second thing, all those things that you do actually oppose your flesh. How many of those things that you do agree with your flesh? The things that oppose your flesh is this. You know that you have to read the scripture. You have to pray. Now let me ask you, how many of those things that oppose your flesh that you do on a daily basis? And how many things that you do on that please your flesh like, let's go get milk tea, let's go get coffee. Okay, so I don't exempt myself. How many of those things? If your life is filled with all those things that please your flesh, I'm going to get on the computer right now and I'm just going to browse. That's the worst thing. I don't know how, who came up with that, but that's it's pretty terrible. Just sitting there mindlessly, click, 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 and we never get anything from it. Or have you ever browsed through the Bible, read through, examine, meditate on them? How many of those things? Examine yourself. Thirdly, examine how many things in your life that you do on a regular basis that glorifies God, particularly in the area of communication. When you talk to people, think about it. How many of those conversations actually lift up Christ, exalting God? I know, sadly, that many of the Christians, their communication never mention a single word, nor God himself, nor Christ. At least if you are a follower of Christ, you should talk about Christ at least once, at least. I'm not saying that even tests your faith. Try it, would you? This week, whoever you talk to, keep this in mind. Would you mention Christ in your conversation? Would you mention the gospel? How many of you who were there at the concert heard the gospel? It's not that you were 
dead, now you're alive. That's not the gospel. That's just the effect of the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is this, that Jesus Christ died for your sin, that he was crucified, and that he was buried, that three days later he rose for you. That's the gospel. Now, I would challenge you this. Would you share that with someone? Did you hear that in the, the message yesterday? That was in the message yesterday. I always look for that. That's the gospel. Would you do that? The long view question is that, are you being transformed into the image of Christ? Look at your life today and look at it yesterday. Does your life today more resemble Christ? And how do you know that? Well, does it look more like what it says here in the scripture or not? Scripture says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things should pass away, meaning we come into Christ and we are transformed. But it takes time for us to becoming Christ. And therefore, we must examine ourselves, test our faith, try it out. Look at yourselves in the mirror, face other people, examine the kind of work that you do, and begin to take apart those things and examine those things and see if you are truly a new creature and you should begin to become more like Christ because you are born again. But if you're not, then the process has not begun or that you have not been born again. It's very important that we examine ourselves because at the end, and the end is coming, you don't want to stand before God with the faith that has not been tested. It's not authentic. It won't save you. Jesus says every good tree bring forth good fruit. Every evil tree, look at the results of your life. Do people around you get saved? Do people around you hear the gospel? Do people around you get prayed for? Do people around you are drawing closer to God? That's the result of the fruit. The evidence is a person that has been born again by faith has to be obvious. Do people look at you and know that you're a Christian? Well, that has to change. If you're a Christian, then people should look at you and see Christ. Otherwise, how can you call yourself a Christian if you don't resemble Christ? So how do you do that? How do you become more like Christ? Well, first of all, you put this flesh down. You need to die to this flesh. I want this. And then you say immediately, no, what does God want me to do? How does God want me to respond? When, you, when you're so inclined to attach yourself to something, you have to take a step back and say, wait a minute. I am no longer in charge of my life. Christ is. What does God want me to do? That is a dying to self. Means saying no to yourself. No to whatever you want. And the hardest thing to say no to is what? The voices that comes into your ears. Your friends. The people around you. They will ask you for stuff. They ask you to do things. And you have to, church, you have to say no. When it opposes Christ, you have to say no. When a time comes, when they ask you to go, and that is a time when you need to spend in the scripture, you got to stand up and say, I am sorry, I cannot go with you because this is the time that I reserve for Christ because I love him more than you. Can we say that? Are we willing to? Jesus told Peter, when Peter went through all this, and he felt really, really sad. Jesus came to Peter and Jesus says, Simon, guess what? There's something that happening in the spiritual realm that you are not aware of. Satan wanted to sift you, meaning Satan want to torment you. Satan want to take you out and wring you like a, a wet cloth. Satan want to put you through the stretcher. That's what Jesus told Peter, one of his beloved disciples. And Jesus told Peter, guess what? Satan wants to take you through the ringer. He wants to really test you and stretch you and torment you. And then Jesus said, don't worry. 
I got rid of Satan already. That's not the Bible. The Bible says this. I pray for you that when you go through it, you will go through it. Each one of us has to go through it because it tests our faith. And you will meet the devil. He will come into your life and he will stretch you. He will cause you to be in agony and pain. So that if Peter truly loved God, Peter loves Jesus, he will not deny Jesus with Christ's faith, not with his own faith. Jesus says, I pray for you so that your faith will not fail. So the only thing we have right now is that Jesus is praying for your faith. And why does Jesus have to pray for your faith? You're going to face the devil and he will torment you. If Jesus prays for your faith, it's going to survive. It's going to be stronger than before. And then he says, when you have been converted, strengthen your brothers and sisters. This is your responsibility. We need to go through the temptation. We need to go through trials so that Jesus can pray for your faith. Your faith will not stand by itself. And Jesus cannot pray for your faith unless he puts you through and into the hands of Satan himself to test you, to tempt you. Remember when Job went through the testing, did God leave him? No. Were there evil friends? Yeah. When I fell off my scooter, I got a few phone calls from a few people. Only interested in one thing. You still have your front teeth? Wow. I don't know how I became friends with these people. But then I remember, because of them, it shows me I still have pride in my life. Even, even though I just went through a trial, I still have pride. I still, in fact, I thought about it. God, why, why did it have to break? Could I just break the tooth that's already broken? I already don't have number six. I found out I don't have tooth number six all my life. A canine never came out. But through those times, you know, when the friends come, when the agony come, you realize something. Man, there's stuff in your life not worked out yet. Even though you're in the pit, it can still go lower, you know, with friends. Things just got worse with friends, with some friends. But, you know, the church, the body of Christ is there. The body of Christ is always there. And through that time, after Job was finished, what did God say to Job? Pray for your friends. Strengthen your friends through your prayer. God brings us through trials so that Jesus can pray for your faith. Now, your faith had never been prayed for by Jesus. It will never survive. But when Jesus prayed for your faith, you will grow. Your faith will be established. And then you can turn and strengthen those people around you. This is the purpose of your faith being tested. The finding pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tries the heart. God's interested in the heart. God's not interested in your face. God's not interested in your relationship. God's not interested in your strength, your ability. God's interested in your heart. Is it real? Has it been tested? And every piece of silver is tested. Every piece of gold is tested unless you want to find out whether or not it has value. Do you have value? Then your hearts need to be tested by God. Then you will know how much you're worth or how little you're worth. It has to be tested. Isaiah chapter 48 verse 10. Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. The only way you and I, we are going to go through this life for Christ. Living the faith of Jesus Christ is that we are going to go through the furnace of affliction. 
The Lord said it. The scripture said, we are going, we have to go through. Now, every single one of us will have to go through the furnace of affliction, the fire of affliction. If you have not, you need to really ask God and ask yourself, where am I? What kind of faith do I have? Because not everyone got thrown into the furnace of fire. Only those that resisted Nebuchadnezzar. Only three people out of all of those people, only three people who ever stood up to the king and said, Oh king, if we have to die, we'll never bow down to you. And then off they went into the furnace of fire. Not everyone get thrown into the furnace of fire. Only the ones who stand up and face the devil, face this world, face your flesh, face the opposition, get thrown into the fire. But you know what? Who's in there? There's one that has the appearance as the Son of God. There you will truly meet Christ. The furnace of fire is a good place to be because if you get in there and you don't get burned, what happened? You're real. Nothing will burn you anymore. No one will throw you in the furnace of fire anymore. You need, we all need that furnace of fire. So stand up. Stand up in your faith. Stand up in your life. In your relationship, stand up for God. Stand up and resist this life. Resist the things that come against you and try to put you down. Try to cause you to kneel down. When you hear that cornet, when you hear that music, when you hear that trumpet, when you hear the sounds, bow down. Well, don't bow down. Stand up and resist the devil. Resist all those forces that come into your life. And yes, you will get thrown into the furnace of fire. But you know what? The fact that Jesus didn't leave them. He went in there with them, and therefore they didn't burn. The only reason why they didn't burn is because the Son of God is in the furnace. Take a moment right now and just think about your day, your walk with God, your relationship with God. If Jesus tells you that Satan has desired to sift you, to test you, to cause pain in your life, what do you think would happen? And when you go through all these things, if you think you're going to go through it yourself, If you think that you can, by your own strength, do it, you will fail. But if you trust and believe what Jesus has said, I will never leave you, forsake you. That's what faith is. It's knowing that if you make your bed in hell, if you're in the deepest valley of your life, that He is there, He's there with you, then there is no valley too deep. There's no darkness too thick. There's no furnace too hot. There's no lion too fierce that God Our God is unable to show you His love for you. He has never failed, not once in history of time. Just take a moment and consider, is your faith authentic? The two times in the Bible talks about a mountain called Moriah. The first time was when Abraham took Isaac and offered him to the Lord. Take thy son, thy only son. God is after that that one thing that you love most. When I say that, When I say the thing that you love most, what comes into your mind? Will you take that? Are you willing to take that to Mount Moriah today and offer it to Abraham's Mount Moriah was a test of his obedience. Would you obey God? Would you dare to obey God by giving up, sacrificing that one thing that you love so? It could be a relationship. It could be a sin, a besetting sin that you engage in in your life. It could be a pursuit. It could be a love. That one thing, God wants you to sacrifice it. Second time in the Bible that God mentioned Mount Moriah was David's. 
When he was at the heights of his kingdom, he numbered the people. Out of pride, he wants to know how many people he got. And God asked him to choose one of the three judgments that come from God. And David chose to be in the hands of God. Some of you who are standing here today, God wants to take you to David's Mount Moriah. Have you been able to do everything in your life by your own strength? God wants to humble us so that we would raise up our hands and we said to the Lord, take me. These people, they didn't do anything. God wants to bring you to the place when you know how much He loves you by showing you your own heart of pride. Lord, I ask that our faith is not mere words or fantasies that we built, but our faith is built on your prayer, Lord Jesus, that the trials might come and we welcome the trials that come into our lives. But we know for certain that you will establish our faith on your prayer, Lord Jesus, that we will be strengthened, that we will be proven to be authentic, that our faith will be built on Christ, that we will do the work and the ministry that you have purpose for each of our lives. In the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm.